Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hello and welcome to the Indie Cider Podcast, where I interview indie game developers while playing their games. My name is Ken Gagney, and this week I'm interviewing Mr. Kyle Seeley of the game Emily Is Away. This game is a narrative game, a sort of choose-your-own-adventure title, but it's framed as an AOL instant messenger exchange between you and Emily, your high school friend. As the two of you go your own ways to different colleges after graduating from high school, you stay in touch online, and your interactions and relationships evolve over the course of these series of AIM discussions. So it is an entirely text-based game, but it does look like an AOL chat interface running on Windows, just like back in 2002 when the game is set. And as Emily chats with you, you receive a series of multiple choices that you can use to continue the conversation, choose what topics to talk about, and how to respond to her. You can press 1, 2, or 3 to choose which one you want to select or use the mouse. And once you choose that item, nothing actually happens immediately. The game expects you to start typing, and as you hammer on the keys, whatever option you selected appears on the screen. You may see typos be introduced and backspaced and corrected, or you may actually see the character start to say something that would leave him a little too vulnerable, and he wimps out or changes his mind, backspaces, and writes something else entirely, just like an actual AOL conversation. As you'll hear in this interview, I grew up slightly before this game was set, but we still had AOL Instant Messenger, and I totally get the experience of how awkward these conversations can be. We still have conversations like that with Facebook and Gchat and Slack and etc. etc. But there seems to have been something unique about AOL, or at least using it when you're in high school or college. I was never actually on AOL itself, but I did have AIM in college, and we used it all the way up through 2012 when I was using it as a workplace instant messenger protocol. I would hope that by now that office has transitioned to something like Slack, but from what I hear, they still use AIM, and hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Anyway, at its core, it's essentially a relatively simple game, but the degree of simulation and accuracy and verisimilitude in both the interface and the experience and the emotions really sets this game apart. It is quite an unusual indie game, and I found myself having all the feels while playing the game. You'll hear more about that and about Mr. Kyle Seeley's experience demoing the game at Boston Fig, where I first saw it after he told me about it a month prior at a conference called Game Loop. He also just got back from IndieCade, held out in California, and the game has also been profiled by the likes of Wired. If you want to play the game for yourself, you can download it for free or name your own price at emilyisaway.com. And if you want to see the game being played, you can check it out at youtube.com gamebits or indiesider.net slash ep slash 33. That's episode number 33. While you're checking that out, here's the interview. Today I'm chatting with Mr. Kyle Seeley, creator of Emily Is Away. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Ken. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Now, if I understand correctly, you're based right here in the Boston area, yes? Yeah, I'm from Boston. Excellent. And we first bumped into each other at Game Loop, held at the Nerd Center, the Microsoft Nerd Center, back in August. And you were telling me about Emily is away at that time. And then I saw you at Boston Fig as well. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's been great uh, in the Boston community. And as I understand, you just got back from IndieCade as well, right? Yeah, that was, that was surreal uh, going out there. It was a, a ton of fun. 
Yeah, so that was held in October, all the way out in California. Did you go out there specifically to show off Emily's Away? Yeah, I got into the uh, Digital Selects portion of their uh, showcase. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So I want to talk a lot more about your experience at these festivals at Boston Fig and Indicate, but let's talk a bit first about Emily's Away. So this is a sort of a choose-your-own-adventure game, a text adventure set in the context of an instant messenger discussion with Emily over the course of high school and college. It's set at first in the year 2002 and spans about four or five years. How autobiographical is this experience? This game is based on my life. So uh, what that means is is I kind of took my own experience uh, in uh, chatting with people on instant messengers when I was in middle school, um, kind of my experience going through college, and I kind of uh, took a lot of uh, freedom in, in rearranging everything um, and and basing stuff off of that experience to come up with the final story. Um, so there's no one-to-one ratio between the final story in the game and my life. Like, no characters are people that I know and no events actually happen to me that are in the game, but more that I, I wanted to create a narrative that is kind of universal to people from my generation. Um, and that means, um, you know, the, the narrative of someone growing up, um, having a friend from high school and going into college um, and, and, and kind of uh, the hardships of that and the hardships of keeping a, a friendship that has kind of dwindled um, is kind of universal to people who have gone through college. Um, and I really wanted to create a story that was very relatable for, for a lot of people. And I also wanted to set this story in uh, an interface that was very nostalgic for a lot of people that grew up from my generation, which would be AOL Instant Messenger. So at that point, you were using IM, not like ICQ or GChat or Jabber. Right. So I actually, I graduated high school in 2010. So the story is a few years before me. Um, I, I use AOL Instant Messenger a lot in middle school. And so I'm trying to capture kind of like my experience in, in middle school, coming directly home from school and going right on AIM to talk to people uh, in this game. That's really interesting. I wasn't aware of that temporal discrepancy. I assume you weren't still using IM in college and after college, were you? By that point, hadn't we evolved into other chat interfaces? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I used it. I think I stopped using IM in high school, actually. But I, I kind of moved the story back a little bit to kind of set it in uh, IM because I wanted to tell a story about college because I think that's a a very universal story, and it's one that um, a lot of people can relate to. Um, and so I moved my college experience or the game's college experience back in time, and then I kind of stretched the longevity of AOL Instant Messenger a little bit further so that it would make sense with the story. So if I may ask, if this story was actually set in 2010, what interface would you have used? Um, you know, I don't know, because at that point, Facebook had become so huge. I think that to get this, like, the correct uh, slice of time that I wanted to use, which was Instant Messengers, because it's a very different interaction, Instant Messengers, than, than like, Facebook chat, right? Or, or texting, right? Because texting took off um, in, in the early 2000s as well. Um, I really wanted to get that feel of Instant Messengers where it's, 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 it's kind of a unique thing. So I don't think this story would have been possible if I, I used um, something from my own experience in college. That's really interesting. So I, I understand the ways in which it is autobiographical, but it's melding a lot of different eras together to create something unique. Yeah, yep. Did you examine any old chat logs in order to lift the text out and actually get it the, that sense of script 
accurate? Yeah. So um, I, I I did examine some old chat logs. I also looked at people's old um, Facebook profiles because people haven't touched their quotes, you know, or their about me's since this this time period, since they first created Facebook. And so that that really helped a lot. Um, also, my own memory of what people's what wave messages would be or um, uh, what their profiles looked like uh, really helped the story. And and that's kind of a it's it's kind of a fun thing because I'm not actually a good writer. Like um, this is the first game I've ever written, and so this wasn't actually really writing for me. It was kind of just like remembering how people acted and then just changing their words to fit the narrative. Did you have any sort of consultants to? run the story past to make sure you were getting both parts of the conversation accurate because this is a fairly traditional binary interaction, at least it was when I played it, and I don't know that I could accurately write what a female friend of mine from high school going into college might behave like, for example. Right. So I didn't have any consultants specifically. Um, I did playtest this game a lot. Uh, the IGC has been awesome. Boston Indies community has been awesome. Playcrafting's been awesome uh, in the in the the Boston community to help me um, kind of like figure out what the pain points in my story were. And then I'd go back and change that. Um, and that's stuff where like the story didn't flow correctly or the characters weren't believable. And I'd have to go back and, and kind of change the, um, the actual text uh, to, to kind of fit like uh, a better story. Um, and then the game is uh, gender neutral on purpose. Um, so it doesn't force you into being a male. It doesn't force you into being a female. Um, it doesn't change much based on your gender, so uh, it doesn't take sexual orientation into account. It doesn't take any of that into account. Um, and it's more, I think, uh, you can kind of get out of it what you what you want. Um, so, like, if it was a female playing the main character, then uh, there would be different nuances for the story, for sure, right? And the same thing if it was a male playing the character... Um, then there'd be different nuances to the story. And I kind of tried to leave all those nuances out so you could kind of experience the story in more of a raw form. What made you decide to implement the sort of user input you did where the player types on the keyboard and these words pop up as opposed to a more traditional, say, Twine adventure where you make a choice, it presents you all the narrative that leads up to the next choice, and your only interactions are in those rare moments of choose-your-own-adventure? So... Um, one of the, one of the things I wanted to do with this game was, is capture the, um, the reformatting done in instant messaging in chat. Um, and so that's like when you would type a message, uh, out, that would be your thoughts. And then maybe it's too forward. So you'd go back and you kind of rearrange the words to, to kind of be more of a general statement. And that, that's a, a really important thing with, I think, instant messengers that, that people do even now today with like text messages, right? Where they might type something out and then say, oh, wait, I don't, like this sounds bad and then go back and change it. Um, and that's something I really wanted to play around with. Um, at the beginning, though, this this was just you clicked your choice, and then that message would type at itself out on the screen, um, and so there'd be no keyboard interaction at all. And uh, that was in the early prototype, and I was showing it to um, Alex from Robot Loves Kitty. They did uh, Legend, of, Legend of Dungeon, um, and she's kind of this like fun, bubbly girl, and she was like, you know, I'd really enjoy it if I could type out, and it would make this animation go faster, the typing animation. And I tried that, and it didn't really feel right because it was weird. Uh, and then I tried the one-to-one ratio where every letter is a keystroke, and that felt really good. And I think that's how I stumbled upon that mechanic. Yeah, it's sort of a nice compromise between Choose Your Adventure and 
a game where you actually have freeform input like Eliza. Have you ever played a version of Eliza? I've never played Eliza, but I, I do know of text parsers. Another game that that is uh, a lot like is the game Facade. Um, and yeah, it, it's been really interesting to show this at festivals because people come up thinking that it's a text parser, like a natural language processor, and it's it's not. <laughs> Hmm. I've never heard of Facade. I'll have to look that up. There will be a link in the show notes. Is that similar to Eliza? Yeah, it's a natural language processor. I actually got to meet the um, designers of Facade at IndieCade, and so that was really interesting. Oh, very cool. Yeah, Eliza is something that I played on the Apple II when I was a little kid. It was developed decades before that by uh, somebody at MIT, and it was an attempt to pass the Turing test where you would be talking to the computer and you'd tell it how it, you feel and it would respond as if it was a psychotherapist and uh, it, it was really interesting especially as a little kid to try to see how a computer would interact with a human and obviously Emily is Away is very different because it's a little bit more scripted on both ends but it still gives that sense of interacting with somebody. I really feel like there is an Emily even though it is just a computer program or a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I really wanted to make Emily a very believable character. Um, and I think that a lot of the different design decisions that I made in the interface and in the game uh, really helped that. What sort of software tools or programs did you use to manage all the different branching paths? I know that stuff like Twine is very good for this, but this doesn't seem to be a Twine game to me. You no, know, this, yeah, this game was made in uh, Unity, actually, because um, it's my most comfortable uh, game engine. And really, I just managed it in a text file um, and then imported that to a Unity uh, C-sharp file. Uh, it's kind of like a scripting language that I wrote specifically for this game to uh, do the branching paths. So I actually don't have like a very nice tool for the branching paths. It's mostly just in my head, like what choices mean what and what different options are dynamic. Oh, that's really interesting. When I previously interviewed Alchemy Labs for the game Discourse, they had a lot of different paths for that game. I think there were so many hundreds of possible endings that even they didn't know how many there were. And for <laughs> for something like that, you really need to have it really well mapped out. Is it possible to say how many quote-unquote endings there are to Emily is Away? It's another one where it's kind of nebulous, right, because of the different dynamic choices you make as you get there. Um, I think not right now there's like four or five um, based on your choices dynamically. Um, but it's another one. Like So Alchemy's version, they uh, they had a bunch of um, uh, factors that would change based on every interaction you did in the game. Um, and Emily is kind of like that, where there's a lot of dynamic choices as you get close to the ending, and there's a lot of big story choices. So it's, it's kind of hard to say as well. I assume that the big story choices are the ones that say, Emily will remember that, sort of like when I was playing The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. So every time there's Emily will remember that, and there's also uh, prompts that will come up that says, like, you chose X. Every time that happens, there's, there's a big uh, dynamic change that's been made in the story. Why did you feel the need to telegraph that to the player as opposed to letting them not know when the major versus minor decisions were? Um, so I think that telegraphing that to the player allows them to kind of understand what the game is doing. Um, a major thing with um, interactive games, uh, branching narrative games like this, is um, when the player doesn't realize that they've made a choice and they have made a choice, right? That like that's a really bad thing for the game because it means that I coded, you know, two times the content for this specific choice, and the player doesn't even realize that it's happening. 
Um, and so they don't get that sense of power over the situation. They might just think, oh, this, this game's just going. And so calling out those choices help um, the player realize that this game is actually changing. And it also helps the player realize, okay, this is actually a big decision that I just made. And there will be big decisions in this game um, that I need to be aware of. Okay, I see. That makes sense. I imagine that a text-based game might be difficult to exhibit at an event like Boston Fig and Indicade when there are so many other perhaps flashier games, uh, n- not necessarily more substantial, but just more visual games on the show mm-hmm. floor. What was the reception to Emily's Away at those events? It's It's been great showing Emily's Away at, at FIG and, and at other, other festivals. Um, I think that we almost, or I try to use the flashiness or the unflashiness of a text-based game uh, to its advantage. Um, and so when I showed at FIG and when I showed at Indicate, I had you know, these really old 4x3 Dell monitors. I had, like, a huge setup that kind of looked like a dorm room. Um, and I was really trying to push the fact that this is a game from an earlier time, that this is a game from, you know, the 90s. And I think that actually really helps elevate it because there's, there's people that go to these festivals expecting flashy things. They, they, they know flashy games, right? And then they see my game, and it's kind of this really weird text game, um, and it kind of draws people in, in in that it's not flashy. Um, and I think that's actually really helped. And, you know, Boston Fig was great and Indicate was great for, for attendance um, and for people playing the game. It was, it's was it been a lot of fun. I totally see that. I don't know if you recall, but at Boston Fig, you asked me what other games I liked on the show floor. And I said, I don't know. I made a beeline for yours. Yours stood out. So this is the first game I've tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was that was great. That was a good experience. And as I also recall, you had a rather unusual promotion that you were handing out. You had the game on CD for users to try. Yep, I have uh, I have Emily's Away on CD. Um, I just recently went to Indicate and I got rid of the rest of my copies um, that had the full release on them. And yeah, so I had them done up to kind of look like the uh, AOL trial discs from back in the day. As I pointed out back then, distributing the game on a CD is sort of a bold choice because most computers don't come with disk drives anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's more of a promotional promotional thing. If people want to get the game, they can download it. Um, but people like having like you know some swag from events, and so that's kind of like my version of swag, some 90s swag. I was able to download this game. As you mentioned, I went to Itch.io. It asked me how much I wanted to contribute, and I could name my own price, even if that price was $0. Mm-hmm. So you may not necessarily be recouping the cost of flying to California to exhibit this game at Indicate. So, yeah. so, so what is the equation here? Yeah, so my this is this is my first major game in the indie game scene. And so going into this experience, I, I kind of try to set up goals for myself as in what do I want to get out of making this game? Um, and one of the things that I wanted to get out of making this game was just exposure. Um, it, this game was never meant to make me any money. Um, it was just a lot of hard work to try to try to explore this weird concept that I had for a game and then also try to just get exposure and try to go to these events and, and meet people um, and, and try to get people to understand um, this game and like kind of who I am as a as a game developer. And I think that it's gotten that in, uh, as a result of Indicate and, and Fig and stuff and, and the, the money situation is just literally just that. I just want to make enough money to recoup the costs of doing this. Not even enough money to pay myself, just just enough money to uh, fly out to these events and kind of meet all these people. And even if you don't necessarily recoup the costs, it's helpful to look at it as an investment because you're playing the long game here and this is only your first game and there's going to be some upfront investment before you start capitalizing on this success and building a reputation. Right, exactly. And it's also trying to get people to... Um, I also just kind of wanted to explore what a game is, right, with this game. It's a very weird 
kind of art game. And I, I kind of wanted to kind of, uh, if, if I don't have to make money off this, it's, it would, it's more fun to just kind of explore the possibility of the medium, right? If this is only your first game, what do we think the next ones will look like? I can't imagine there would be an Emily is Away 2, and I imagine that the market for a series of IM simulators, if you were to move on to Jabber or Chichat, might be limited. So what <laughs> other kinds of games do you want to make based on this first one? I'm not actually sure right now. Uh, I have a lot of uh, nebulous kind of ideas floating around. Definitely something that is, is as weird as Emily, um, if not more weird. I kind of like the idea of games as a medium being more about more than just uh, what kind of we see in the market today. So I want to keep exploring the bounds of the medium. And the game is on Steam Greenlight at the moment. Is that correct? Yeah, it just it got through Greenlight uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Oh, excellent. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, one last question. You mentioned how this is something that you want players to empathize with or at least to represent a sort of passage that they all went through at a certain point in their lives but is there anything in particular that you want players to walk away with like what do you want them to get out of this experience mm-hmm. um so emily's away is it's like it's a weird game because it's all about the characters and it's all about the story and it's a very personal story and these characters are very uh, personalized characters um and so a lot of people have different reactions to the game based on their own past experiences um if there's so no interpretation of the game is wrong, right? Because everybody has different past experiences. Everybody has different characters in their life that they're going to um, kind of project the story upon. Um, but if there's one thing that I want people to get out of this, it's just to relive their past and to kind of think about it again. Because I think that a lot of people kind of, you know, know of their past, but don't really uh, think about it that often. And so in order to do this, I wanted to use the the aesthetic of AOL Instant Messenger to kind of make people nostalgic, prime people by thinking about their own past, who they talked to on AIM, um, what kind of conversations they had uh, with people on AIM. And then the story happens, and I want them to be able to relate their story back to their own past. um, And then maybe come to realizations about their own past that they hadn't come to before. Um, I've gotten some really awesome emails and... uh, direct messages on Twitter from people who, who have really connected to the story and, and have said, you know, hey, this, this game actually helped me come to a realization about my past that I hadn't come to before, and it's actually like, made me feel better about my life. And that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's obviously like, the best thing that this game could ever do. So um, just being able to relate this game to your past and then trying to think critically about the choices you made in the game and then also in your own life. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a great moment. <laughs> Would you like to hear what I got out of the game? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> the game is set in 2002, and I was already out of college at that point, but we did have IM when I was in college. Uh, it wasn't set in the Windows environment that this game is, because I am and always have been an Apple user. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I ever had these exact experiences of sort of a, a high school crush that I kept in touch with, but nonetheless, the interactions I had with Emily... I don't know how or why, but they seem to strike so close to home where there were these incredibly awkward moments and I would type something and then delete it, especially toward the end of the game. I was making choices that I don't think I would ever have the courage to actually type in real life. And sure enough, in the game, I would type it and then erase it and replace it with something completely different. Mm -hmm. And there were times when I was laughing my head off. There were times when I was absolutely cringing. It was just, ugh but in a totally good way because I wasn't cringing at like how bad the game was. I was cringing at how 
awkward the conversation was and and not in a this is not so unnatural people wouldn't say this it's because it was exactly what would happen <laughs> yeah and it was probably the most fun i've had playing a game in quite some time thank you uh that's that's a great compliment <laughs> yeah so like when i show this game at festivals people the first thing they look up it like they say oh is this a game based in AOL and some messenger and they're like yeah and then they walk over and they start looking at the conversation and they're like jesus christ like the 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 memories that I have are so uncomfortable right now. Like you're making me feel so awkward and that's just a great feeling, right? To bring people back to their awkward teenage years. <laughs> um, and, and so that's, that was, that's been really fun with the game. Yeah. When I first played the game at Boston Fig, I only played the first chapter. So I didn't even walk away from that experience, understanding that the game spans multiple years. I just thought it was a very much more limited uh, slice of time. And when I saw that it spanned four or five years, I'm like, Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, not only that I am would last that long, but also that this relationship <laughs> would last that long across a single medium. And just seeing how people's icons and profiles would change and their taste in music and just the, what the very narrow window you get into people's lives based on what they choose to say and not say is something that we still have nowadays with Facebook, even with email. And I, I really like how that is captured and represented in I Am in Emily's Way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so remind us where we can find this game online. So this game, you can get this game um, on Itch right now. It'll be released on Steam in the next month, November. You can go to emilyisaway.com and it'll have links to both those websites. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kyle Seeley. Uh, thanks, Ken. This has been Indie Cider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at IndieCider.net.